from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's winter here in the Catskills. Or is it? We have had bizarre weather in the last month or so, from near t-shirt days to 40-degree drops in the course of an afternoon, and in the last couple of weeks, it has felt unseasonably warm. A gift for those of us who dread the thought of pulling out the snow shovel, and a curse for those of us who wait around all year to hit the ski slopes, But whichever camp you fall into, you've got to admit that this feels weird. And that's not to mention the even more unusual weather hitting the West Coast this winter, with storm after storm pummeling California and the surrounding regions. So naturally, I wanted to get the inside scoop on what is going on above our heads this season. And last week, I hopped on a call with an expert who is uniquely qualified to talk about just that. My name is Joe Rao. It is it is spelled R-A-O, but it is pronounced as if there were a Y between the A and the O. And uh, for 21 years, I was the uh, chief meteorologist and science editor at News 12 Westchester, Hudson Valley. and. Uh, after the uh, company changed hands, uh, went to a European consortium. I left right around that time when that was happening. I went to uh, Verizon Fios One and was there for an additional three years. And then that shut down in November of 2019. Since then, I've been keeping busy by uh, doing library talks and also for uh, various astronomy and civic groups as well. And I also do a lot of uh, freelance writing. I uh, I'm a contributing editor for Sky and Telescope magazine. I've written articles for WeatherWise magazine. I do a weekly column for Space.com, a monthly column for Natural History magazine. And uh, while it was d- tough in the beginning, getting used to this, not having to uh, go to a television studio and do what I had been doing for so many years, I've gotten to like this now. <laughs> uh, not having to it, it's, I'm doing it on my schedule and doing things on when I want to do it, and uh, it's it's been uh, it's been good these last few years. I still put up forecasts on my Facebook page most every day, and I also am on YouTube. I have a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Joe Chaffee. He was at one time at News 12 Long Island, and he also did the weather on Pix 11 uh, on weekends. He is no longer doing that, but. He has a YouTube channel, Joe Chiaffi has Joe Chiaffi's YouTube channel. And he asked me, he said, would you like to get together with me? And we'll, we'll do a weather show at night. And we do every night, uh, weeknight, 735, Monday through Thursday. We usually take Fridays off and Saturdays too. Or on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock a.m., we have uh, a weather show. We call it the Joe and Joe weather show. I, we kid <laughs> each other. I said, well, he gets top billing. But uh, and on Sundays, it's coffee with Joe and Joe. We talk about, you know, you when, when you watch television weather, you get about a minute and a half, two minutes of weather. 
We mm. talk weather for a full hour, sometimes even longer. And we show maps and we have charts. In, in a way, we're still doing TV. We don't have as large an audience, but we're still doing it. And we're doing it every night on uh, on YouTube. And any of your uh, listeners can tune right in. Again, it, it's on Joe Chiaffi's, C-I-O-F-F-I, Joe Chiaffi's YouTube channel. And again, we do the Joe and Joe show most every weekday night at 735. You are the first meteorologist I've had the opportunity to chat with on this program. And, and I'm so curious how you as a meteorologist go about finding information yourself that you are then communicating to others about the weather. What is your routine with how you check forecasts? Well, you know, that's a good, that's a very interesting question. And I got started in this business um, in 1978. I got a job uh, at a private weather company, and we were doing weather reports for a number of radio stations. Uh, right out, I was right out of college, and uh, we had to pay hundreds of dollars a month to bring in special data lines to have teletypes. And I'm not talking about the teletypes we have today. I mean, these were the noisy, clattering teletypes with the, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, so we had to pay hundreds of dollars for that. We had to pay hundreds of dollars to have a facsimile machine, which had the maps, which were which were printed out on special chemical paper, and that had to run during the course of the day and into the night. Uh, satellite pictures also came in via facsimile, and it was noisy too. I mean, the facsimile and the teletypes. I mean, you needed the earplugs sometimes when you went in to get all that data. Don't need that anymore. You can go online. There is there are so many different weather. Uh, websites that you can see the weather maps that are available to us. We used to have to we'd get when we get the maps out, we'd have to get out our pencils and pens or whatever, and we'd have to color up where the fronts were and where the where the where the low pressure, the high pressure. Don't do that anymore. There's a there's a there, in fact there's a a, a site Tropical Tidbits. It's put out by a, a gentleman who uh, takes all the data and makes and and using computer technology puts out every map. I mean, we have all the computer models are there on this site, Tropical Tidbits site. There is the uh, the GFS, the American site, the European map, the Canadian model, the Japanese model. I mean, all you could you could drown in all of the all of the data that you can get. And so now all I have to do at a specific time is is go on my computer, go to Tropical Tidbits, open it up and there there are all the maps and when when i was working back 30 40 years ago we got maps that went out maybe 2 3 days and then there was like there was some rough hand printed maps that take you out to 5 days and you had to extrapolate you had to figure out okay what what might be happening let's say beyond 5 days if you were interested in going out that far now you got maps computer maps that go out 5 10 15 days and i don't need my 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 colored pencils and pens anymore. I mean, on tropical tidbits, everything is in living color now. Uh, and of course, you can go on the weather sites uh, for uh, the National Weather Service, New York, and you can look at their radar. That was another big thing. I mean, we used to have to plot by hand on little plexiglass, uh, you know, in number form, the intensity of some of the thunderstorms or heavy rain or heavy snow. We go like one 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 one. Two 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 one 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 one. I mean, we'd have we'd we'd use like grease pencils on plastic, plotting against the map, 
It would take us like 15 minutes to plot an entire radar. You don't do that anymore. Now you can go on and take a look at color radar, you know, moving right before your very eyes on on the it's it's great. The internet has made it so much faster and quicker and so much wa- uh, more wonderful. The problem I think with the internet is is that along with people like myself and people like Joe Chiaffi, for example, who know their stuff and know how to do forecasts, there are, you know, people who aren't meteorologists, not accredited meteorologists, who are looking at the same information that I'm looking at, but interpreting it in a different way. People go on the internet, and a lot of people, when they see things on the internet, they believe it, and it it suddenly will go viral. Oh, we're going to have a big storm. Well, where'd you hear that? Well, I saw it on the internet, you know. So there's a good side to the internet, and there's also a bad side as well. Going off of that, obviously there is a serious trend of distrust in our institutions in the U.S. It doesn't seem that the same thing is happening with meteorologists. Um, I personally have not heard any sentiment about conspiracies with meteorologists and and weather and they're lying to us and things like that. Why do you think that is, um, if you do agree with that? Well, first of all, I think the reason why people trust the uh, weather forecasters is that um, they realize when they watch on television, when you think about it and you watch on television, your local news at night, you're looking at people who are sitting behind an anchor desk, for example, and what are they telling you? They're telling you what has already happened. And they're talking to you off of a teleprompter. But think about this. Every time you see the weather person, be it a man or a woman, uh, that person is the only one who physically will get up from behind the anchor desk and go to a different uh, part of the studio. And actually, what comes out of the mouth of the of the weather forecaster is not on the teleprompter. That is coming, for the most part, from right up here. And if you especially have somebody knowledgeable and knows what he or she is talking about, it sounds very good. Sometimes you'll have somebody who has, I mean, some TV stations have people who are not meteorologists at all, and they're simply being, they're reading, or they were told before they went on by somebody who does know about the weather, you know, okay, this is what's going to happen. That's going to happen. And then they get on and they do their own shtick or whatever. Uh, so, but I think I think uh, people who watch uh, realize that whoever is up there, and especially if they talk in a credible manner, is trustworthy. I I, I know uh, from my years at News 12 that a lot of people said to me, "We believe you. We believe you." It always came comes rolling back that. Uh, they they trust me. Oh, I trust you more than any anybody else. That I did. you know, and, mm. and that's nice to hear. But that that goes with everybody else who does weather. I think they they are very popular, uh, and I think that the, the reason that we we do things a little differently than the others on the news program. And with and think about this: the people who are telling you the news are telling you what has already happened. The weather forecaster is the only one who every single night has to predict the future. <laughs> They are they they are the the soothsayers so to speak, and they are telling it now. Are we we may be trusted in that regard, but there are a lot of people who don't believe, for example, in climate change and in global warming. They don't believe it, and you know I don't believe it. 
I mean, look at the previous administration and the guy who was in charge saying it was all fake news, that it was all created by China. China created global warming. China created this. And, and it's, and, but that is all utter nonsense. I mean, you know, it's one thing to disagree, but present some facts to, to buttress your reasoning as to why you think climate change or global warming doesn't exist. Don't just simply say that, ah, it's fake. It, 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 um, it, it does exist. It does in a very significant way. And uh, I think that uh, what we have seen in the last 15, 20, 30 years, um, storms have gotten stronger. We see now more extremes in terms of rainstorms, snowfalls, uh, it, and, and it is all probably due to the fact that we are indeed seeing uh, changes in our atmosphere, changes in our climate, <clears throat> and uh, it, 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 it all boils down to having to factor that into uh, the, uh, the, the nightly forecast as well. Looking at the weather we're having right now, I mean, we have had unseasonably warm weather with the exception of a brief serious cold snap. And even though it feels mild and gentle, and I would go so far as to say lovely to have 50 degrees in the middle of winter, this really, I suppose, is extreme weather as well, in a sense, in that this probably isn't supposed to be happening quite this much to have long, you know, extended periods of time where we are having this very warm, mild weather. Is this something that you expect to continue seeing in the trend in our region, in in the Hudson Valley, upstate New York, Catskills area, uh, as the years continue? Are we going to see less and less snow? Well, it's weather whiplash. And no, uh, actually, interestingly, if you look at the weather records from the last, uh, well, long-term records are based on 30-year averages. So every 30 years, well, not every 30 years, but every 10 years, we look at the previous 30 and see how things have uh, changed uh, compared to, let's say, you know, a, a further back in time. And actually, we are we here in the Hudson Valley and the Northeast, the New York metropolitan area, we're seeing more snow now than we did, let's say, well, I mean, for example, at Central Park, the uh, the average snowfall total, let's say in the 1970s and 80s, per winter was about 25 inches. We now, based upon the last 30 years of records, that has actually gone up to about 30 inches of snow. We have actually increased the amount of snowfall at Central Park by four or five inches. And they say, well, how is that possible? It's global warming. Global warming should have, we'd be seeing less snow. Well, let's see. Uh, when the atmosphere is warm, it has a much greater capacity to hold moisture. And so, as a result, in the wintertime, when we have uh, a storm coming our way, thanks to global warming, these storms, which are now more potent, are now carrying more moisture, which, when they interact with a cold air mass, will end up producing more in the way of snow. And that's why we're seeing, uh, I mean, my goodness, New York City there was a time when uh, a 20-inch snowfall was an exceedingly rare event. And now during the decade uh, from like 2000 to 2020, we have seen more than a few 20-inch snowstorms in the New York metropolitan area. In fact, for a long time, the all-time record uh, for snow in New York in Central Park 
for a single storm. It was the, the blizzard of 88. They had 21 inches in that storm. Then we had to wait until 1947 to get a storm which uh, which uh, went higher than that, 26 inches. And that stood as the record for a very long, long time. And then all of a sudden, in uh, 2005, I believe, we topped that. We, we had uh, 27 inches or 26 and a half inches of snow. And then 10 years later, in 2016, we had a storm with 27 and a half inches. All of a sudden, all of these heavy-duty storms are much heavier than they were back you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. So there very definitely is something going on, something that happened, and it may very well be due to global warming and climate change. That, what you just mentioned about the fact that it was so frigidly cold at Christmas, and now it's so warm, so much milder in time for New Year's, it's a meteorological whiplash, if you will, but that's not the first time that has happened. We have had cases where that has happened before, where very warm has been replaced by very cold. Also, keep in mind that this is part this part of the country. While you, th- this is a big country that we live in, and usually when one part of the country is experiencing unusual warmth, the other part of the country usually is quite the opposite, is experiencing very cold weather. And in fact, while we are basking now in uh, mild temperatures here in the east, the folks out in the west are experiencing unseasonably cold weather and also lots and lots of snow. Again, it's it's because it's, it's not just, you know, the entire uh, nation. There are places that are experiencing one kind of weather as opposed to another. And, you know, this is what we have now. But, you know, while we're enjoying this mild weather and winter has only just gotten started, up near the poles, cold air, dense air is gradually building more and more and more and more. And eventually that's going to slide southward. And so I'm sure that before this winter is over, we're going to have another round of unseasonably cold weather to come back at us, if not later this month, maybe in February and maybe even in March. It's, uh, it, it's very variable. It's not, uh, it, we, we, don't, we don't stay warm or stay cold for an entire winter. It's always fluctuations from one end of the spectrum uh, to the other. And we've certainly had an example of that in the past uh, couple of weeks uh, right here in our immediate New York area. As the temperature of the oceans slowly is is rising, and I imagine this is impacting air currents around the world, yes. are we seeing changes in our neck of the woods in the Northeast with those longer-term currents of air and where we're seeing weather coming from and, and how that is impacting all of us? Well, the Pacific Ocean, of course, uh, is uh, a major player in our weather and uh uh you've i'm sure heard of uh, el nino and la nina these are yeah. areas off of the west coast of south america in the pacific ocean uh when we have unusually cool or chilly weather a pool of chilly weather that's what we call a la nina event and that changes the upper level winds and jet stream and uh 
quite uh, opposite. El Nino is a patch or region of unseasonably warm water off the coast of uh, South America, which again changes the jet stream in a different way. Uh, this winter, the winter that we're into right now, is the third consecutive year that we have a La Nina going on. Uh, we've had some very chilly temperatures in the Pacific Ocean, and that has caused uh, unusual changes. It has caused uh, in the summertime when we have a La Nina, we have a, a, a rather high number of uh, hurricane activity in the Atlantic Basin, and we've certainly seen our fair share of that over the last few uh, years. But also, interestingly, La Nina means that the western United States uh, is unusually dry. The, uh, the uh, western United States, California, relies on storms from the Pacific during the wintertime to help fill their reservoirs and watersheds because once they get into the spring and summer, there's a paucity, there's a lack of rainfall. And uh, so they are really living off of the amount of water that they had received from all of the storms during the winter. Because of La Nina, the last few years, there haven't been as many of those storms. And uh, the southwestern states are in the middle of a really bad drought. In fact, uh, uh, Lake Mead, I was out in the southwest with my wife uh, back in May, and we saw for our own eyes that uh, many places, the water levels are as low as they have ever been because of the lack of storms. But now, now in the last month or so, we have begun to notice that the storms are beginning to hit the West Coast with greater frequency. And we're now beginning to see that quite possibly La Nina finally is breaking down. And if that be the case, that's good news. It's good news because that means there'll be more storms coming in from the West Coast and there'll be uh, more rain events that'll be helping to fill up uh, reservoirs and watersheds out in the western United States and help to alleviate the drought situation. But also, it's uh, unfortunate because it seems that when this happens, uh, when they during the wintertime, when they get too many of these kinds of storms, the, the, many places out west, out in California, or whatever, tend to flood out. Or they get mudslides. Let's say in Malibu, they they talk about the mudslides that take place, and people have to be evacuated. So it it's it goes from one extreme to the other. In the summertime, we we see news reports of places out in California. They show you the 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 lakes and waterbeds that are drying up. Oh, it's terrible! It's severe drought. And yet, to alleviate that, they need rain. And in the winter time, what happens? They get they get too much of it sometimes. And now. Instead of, you know, you get stories, instead of people being happy that this is going toward alleviating the drought situation, all you see now are people saying, it's terrible. My house got flooded and everything else. So it's, it's, if it's not one, it's another out in, the, uh, out in the western United States. Crazy, crazy changes that take place uh, out there with, the, uh, with these uh, Pacific storms. If we were going to attempt to make and and painting in very broad brushstrokes here a 50 year out weather forecast for what this place is going to be looking like as temperatures continue to rise and perhaps storms continue to become more intense and we have more extremes on both ends of the spectrum what should we be preparing for in the US well we should be i mean you know everybody talks about global warming and climate change but nobody talks about what I think is one of the main reasons why we're having that, and that is that this earth is filling up. 
When I came into this world in 1956, the world population was 2.8 billion people. And now in the middle of November of this past year, 2022, the world population reached 8 billion. By the time we get to 2050, 9.7 billion. And by the mid-2080s, 10.4 billion people. And uh, the, the thing that we have to do is we have to change our ways of, of, of doing things. We, we've been using coal and uh, fuel oil to heat our atmosphere, and a lot of that goes up into the atmosphere and uh, carbon dioxide, and uh, that leads to climate change. Uh, so we need to change. And one of the things we have to do is get off of that and go to, uh, well, as we, we were seeing right now, uh, cars running on electricity as opposed to cars running on, on gas. We have to find different ways because if we continue uh, on this pattern of, uh, with, uh, and of course, who's going to stop the population from growing, it's only going to be getting worse in the years to come. Uh, it would be great if we could stop it like that, but we can't. It's going to take, it's going to take time. And that's why we have uh, the uh, concerns of the United Nations and trying to get all of the major uh, global uh, nations together, especially not just the United States, but Russia and China and India with these large populations. They're still pulling a lot of stuff up into the atmosphere. These are the things that are going to have to be uh, taken care of. And there are records right here in the Hudson Valley. Maybe your listeners are, are aware of this place uh, in uh, the Shawangum Mountains, the Catskill region. There's a place known as the Mohonk Mountain House. And uh, the, the Mohawk Mountain House has been around since the late 1800s. And they also have at the Mountain House, the Mohawk Preserve, where they have been keeping records, both in terms of weather and also in terms of phenology. Phenology is the timing of cyclical or seasonal biological events, such as migrations, egg, egg laying, uh, flowering, and hibernation. They have been keeping track of these things since 1925. The uh, Mohonk House uh, was started by the Smileys, and uh, their naturalist, Dan Smiley, who I knew, I, I, I knew Mr. Smiley quite well, and he passed away in 1989, but they were continuing uh, in his uh, tradition of keeping watch of things that are happening all around the, uh, the region. They have thousands of acres surrounding the mountain house, and they are keeping track of all kinds of changes of nature, along with the weather. If they have been keeping weather records um, at the mountain house, continuous records, since January 1st, 1896. And one of the things that they have learned from taking the climate information and the phrenology information is uh, such things as the fact that there are flowers, there are plants that are now coming into bloom or budding uh, two to three weeks earlier than they might have, let's say, 50 or 75 years ago. Among these, hepatica and bloodroot, they have noticed that there has been a change with that. They've also noticed a change of the birds. Believe it or not, uh, at least in the vicinity of the mountain house, American robin, song sparrow, these are birds that used to migrate when it got cold in the winter. They're not doing that anymore because now, at least according to 
the phrenology information that has been gathered by the mountain house, it has gotten warm enough or mild enough for them to tolerate the cold, and they still they stick around. They have seen those birds now, even during uh, the wintry months of January, February, March. All of that has changed. Twenty twelve and twenty twenty were the two warmest years on record at the Mohawk Mountain House. They had never seen temperatures as warm as that. And in fact, a lot of the warmest years have happened over the last 20. Is that going to continue? Or is there a way that we'll be able to shift away from that and maybe possibly go uh, back to a, a situation where uh, we'll see uh, cooler temperatures in the years to come? We really don't know. But one thing is for sure that if we continue in the way that we have been going, based upon, again, the increasing population, it can only continue to warm as opposed to uh, get cooler. What is the right amount of preparedness for uh, weather-based natural disasters, particularly as our weather does become seemingly more extreme uh, in, in recent years? In, in your own home, do you have jugs of drinking water? Do you keep uh, emergency food rations uh, in, in case we get the big one, as it were. And what do you recommend for other folks? Uh, you should have a what, what's called a go bag in case that we do have a situation where you're cut off from electricity. And that is certainly a possibility uh, in the wintertime with winter storms. And you should, uh, yeah, you should have all of that. I guess when we had uh, Y2K, a lot of people were stocking up on, on foods that they could uh, use or go to uh you should you should make uh preparations and i think if you go to on online if you uh, go whatever county you're watching this they have uh on their on their websites um, emergency services that you should be prepared uh and of course you know i i live in a house that have a couple of fireplaces so always be sure to have plenty of wood on board i have a generator but what happens if the generator breaks down uh, you should always keep that in the back of your mind that you should try to make do or be prepared just in case uh, something uh, happens where you're going to be uh, out of power for a while or anything with the you know, with crazy uh, conditions that we have, uh, either in the summertime uh, or in the wintertime. The one thing that bothers me, let's say, for example, uh, a couple of years ago with Hurricane Ida or with Superstorm Sandy in New York City, how Places were flooded out for days and days and days, and the politicians say, we've got to do something. Well, you know, a lot of the infra infrastructure is old infrastructure. The, here in the Hudson Valley, a lot of the electricity comes from power lines, which can easily be knocked down. Well, why aren't we putting these lines underground? Well, I could tell you why. It's cost-restrictive. I mean, like, it just costs a tremendous amount of money. But you talk about in New York City, and they complain about how sometimes everything gets flooded out. Well, it's based upon old infrastructure, the old sewer system. They need to update. The politicians, I, I, I notice they always complain and say, we've got to do something. And then as soon as the disaster dissipates or goes away, all of a sudden, everything goes back to normal and nobody does anything. I think what we need to do is we need to just sit and, uh, and take stock of what we have now and try to make improvements uh, based upon more extreme weather that is may very well be coming our way in the uh, in the upcoming years to come, and uh, 
that's that's all I I can suggest is uh, be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. On that note, where again can folks catch the uh, Joe and Joe evening show if they want to be able to spend a little more time hearing from you about the weather? The Joe and Joe show is on uh, Joe Chiaffi's YouTube channel. Uh, just go on YouTube, look for Joe Chiaffi, C-I-O-F-F-I, and that's on uh, most evenings at 7.35 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Thursday. We usually take Friday and Saturday off, or on Sunday morning, coffee with Joe and Joe at 11 a.m., and we usually are on for about an hour, sometimes even longer, and especially so when there's major storms coming between Joe and I. We have over 80 years experience in uh, in doing weather. So we, we try to get all the best information out as best to our ability. And so we uh, are always happy to have people tune in to us uh, any uh, weeknight to uh, find out what the latest forecast is. And again, we have a chat board. You can ask questions of us and we try to answer them. So it, it is, it's, it's something that uh, is a service to everybody. And I hope that everybody tunes in. Joe Rayo, thank you so much for your time. It's great speaking with you. Thank you. I think this conversation with Joe was a useful reminder for me that with our changing weather patterns and this alarming trend of more severe and more frequent storms, we all need to be prepared for whatever meteorological phenomena come our way. There is a great website put out by the US government called ready.gov that sort of functions as a one-stop shop for emergency preparedness. And they have all the information you might need to put together an emergency preparedness plan for you and your family, all the things you might wanna stash in a kit in your house or your car, and information on how best to prepare for a wide range of specific natural disasters, like in the case of our area, floods and blizzards and windstorms. So if you haven't thought too much about preparing for the worst already, check out ready.gov plan, and I will put that link in the description of this episode. Thank you so much again to Joe Rayo for taking the time to chat on this episode. And I will also add a link in the description of this episode as well to where you can watch The Joe and Joe Show five days a week live on YouTube. I regularly tune into this program while I make dinner, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. They cover in-depth national weather forecasts, weather history, and changing trends in weather, and how that might impact all of us in the weeks, months, and years to come. You have been listening to Close to Home, a podcast from WJFF Radio Catskill. I'm Leif Johansson, and as always, thanks for listening, and have a great week. Music